back, everybody, to Offstage. We're so thrilled to be here with you. We are in week number four of our walk through Daniel, and we're excited about it. Uh, Dean, how was your how was your week? It was great. Great week. It's fun doing this, but we we had a good uh, good time on the weekend with the church. So yeah, it's been it's been great. Yeah, it's been an incredible time. We we've had so much fun doing this. A lot uh, we see a lot of people are watching it and getting comments and things like that, and so we appreciate that. We hope uh, you're entertained, and we hope that you're learning something as we walk through Daniel together. I know I am uh, learning things across the way, and I love this discussion. So we're going to dive right into Daniel four, and Daniel four is just again a little bit longer. So if you want to read the whole chapter before you get into this study, you just go ahead and press pause on whatever podcast or video that you're watching, read through Daniel chapter four. We're going to be looking at Nebuchadnezzar's second dream, uh, I believe is is right, and kind of walking through it. And it's a really interesting thing that we're going to be reading. But we're going to kind of hit a few verses along the way uh, as we go. We're not going to read the whole thing because it is, like I said, uh, what, 40 verses or something Long, close like yeah. that. Um, and so we're going to get right into it. Is there anything you want to say before we dive into the chapter? It's unique because a lot of it's written by King Nebuchadnezzar. So he got in the Bible. He got to be an author in the Bible. Giving yeah, it's his God story. He's yeah, giving his testimony. It's really cool. It, it is. Yeah. It is kind of his whole testimony right. of, of the impact. And I, I was taken away when I just overarching thing of just the impact that apparently Daniel had right. by being a constant, steady influence during the entire reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Because Daniel, again, we we know he outlives and outlasts right. Nebuchadnezzar's reign. And so it, it's cool to see that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and all these guys had such an impact on Nebuchadnezzar that he has changed from who he was, which was incredibly prideful, arrogant, so as most kings would have been in that time, right. uh, you know, especially one as, as big and as, as prosperous as Nebuchadnezzar, to, to a guy who it seems like he finally gets it. I agree. It's like his, it's like his uh, Daniel basically... Uh, leads him to salvation, and he's changed. He's he's permanently changed, converted, whatever word we might use in the Old Testament to describe coming to faith, like a proselyte to the Jude, to the Judaistic faith. But Daniel, he he stole Daniel away from his family, and then Daniel leads him to faith. Yeah, which is yeah. kind of weird. He had yeah. like a come to Jesus moment, you know, yeah. kind of before Jesus. Like right. it was one of those right. <laughs> those things. But, but but it shows all the signs of it with the humility for the first time and all that. So, yeah, it's a great thing. Da- Daniel is called in and and ends up uh, helping him through. But it took a year. It took a long time. It didn't just happen in one moment. Yeah, it took it took a lot, or it actually took seven years, but it took a lot of pain. Yeah, yeah. this particular story is. Right eight or nine years because right. because of what we see. But uh, so to kind of give you the backstory, okay, setting this up, starting out in Daniel 4, again, remember we ended Daniel 3 with the fiery furnace situation and, and right. all that kind of stuff and, and Nebuchadnezzar going, hey, listen, don't mess with the gods of the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so then we pick up in, in Daniel 4, and like I said, it is written by Nebuchadnezzar. Like he, It's yeah. kind of his insert into Daniel's book, uh, which apparently shows that Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar must have had a, a pretty good relationship, Yeah, I, I would think, that, that to, to, to do this. Daniel's yeah. impact on him, they, they developed a relationship over years. You know, we read it 1, 2, 3, and 4, but there's, you know, like you said, there was 20 years right. between chapter 2 and chapter 3. So this is a, this right. is a lifetime thing right and and he could trust daniel because daniel interpreted his dream so well in chapter two right yeah and absolutely. so he knew he could trust him yeah and so so we pick this up you get down here and, and, and the beginning is just an intro uh the first couple verses kind of set the stage and then in verse four he says i nebuchadnezzar was at home in my palace 
contented and prosperous, which I think is really interesting. It kind of sets the scene because what we're really dealing with this in this entire chapter is Nebuchadnezzar revealing his pride. Right. And and then God obviously breaking it. Um, and so he says, I was contented right. and prosperous, which um, tend to be two of the most dangerous positions that even us today as believers can be in, right. uh, uh, being contented and being prosperous. Not in the content where Paul talks about, right. you know, wherever you live, whatever, be content, but being contented in like, I've done enough for God or sure. I've done enough. He's contented and he's prosperous. And so we see this. And then in verse five, he begins to lay out what, what happens. Um, he says, as I was lying in bed, the, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. And again, this is Nebuchadnezzar writing. Um, so he, he writes this out. It's the second dream. And, you know, you said a couple weeks ago, how many dreams are there in, in Daniel, like six or seven, something like that. Um, and it's interesting. So he calls the group of magicians and the sorcerers and all them together. Right. And he does it a little bit differently than last time, because last time he basically told them, I had a dream. Yeah. Tell me what it is and then interpret it. Well, we obviously saw how that went. Right. He didn't do it that time. This time he tells them the dream. Right. He just tells them what the what the dream was and then uh and then he asks them to interpret it. Yeah. And they can't. And and this time it's not because it's complicated or hard to interpret. It's because it's bad news and it's hard to say that to the king. You know what yeah. I mean? Even Daniel when he calls him in struggles because not because of the interpretation. I mean, it's a tree, the tree's cut down, the the roots and the stump are 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 bound. And it's obviously him. It's the, it's the person. It's hard to say that to the king of the world. You're, right. You're, you're, you, you, this is your demise. You will be humiliated. Uh, it's not because it was complicated or difficult to interpret. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think that, and we don't really know, but do you think that they did not know the interpretation of the dream or that they did not want to say? They didn't want to say it. I yeah, mean, it's is. so simple. It's one tree, one king, you know, the seven periods of time seven years it's not that hard i think many of us could figure that out yeah this yeah. is this is yeah it's it's really not a complicated dream it is crazy when when you think about because i i feel like i don't dream very often and i don't yeah. remember them and whatever but but this dream is pretty simple so kind of walking through the details of the dream right it was he, he saw this tree in the middle of the land that was just enormous giant right lots of leaves lots of branches it it, it the passage says it touched the sky so it was it was overshadowing over everything, yeah. you know, and it paints this picture that it was visible all over the earth. It had beautiful leaves. It had abundant fruit. It had plenty of food for all. Uh, the animals found shelter under it. The birds lived in it. So it, it's setting up. And we know that that was basically Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom. Right. Is that this was the the entire Babylonian kingdom. Was all encompassing and it was. In, in the world sense, just an incredible right. kingdom. Right. And so that's the first part of the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar himself was probably one of the five or six most powerful world rulers ever. He he built the Hanging Gardens, which is one of the seven wonders of the world. He, his uh, city of Babylon was his own personal residence, was just, it's hard to fathom his power, his his brilliance, his military prowess, all the things if anybody would be have reason to be proud or be a high achiever, uh, it would be it would be Nebuchadnezzar. It's it's hard for us to even imagine. It, it would the the greatest human being ever, as far as fame, intellect, power, accomplishments. 
it, it would be Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, so the glory of the tree represented him. And if there's anybody that could go, look at me, I deserve some respect, it would be it would be Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, he was he was the mighty redwood like out in right. California. He right. was I mean, it was it was right. incredible. He wasn't you know, he he was very well respected, you know, and and incredibly successful and incredibly right. prosperous and, and all of these kinds of things. So the first part of the, the, the dream was not the disturbing part. It was, hey, look, look at you, and this is the pride of you, and man, right. your, your shadow was cast all over the earth and all over the world. Right. And then right. Um, it says a holy messenger came down from heaven, which I think is really cool in his dream that he noticed right. where this messenger came from. Right, which just sets up the whole disturbing thing, and basically it's he says another king, another ruler that shares his his majesty. Yeah, yeah, which is which is so fascinating. And it says, "Hey, cut the tree down. We're gonna we're gonna cut the tree off. We're gonna leave a stump. We're gonna trim off the branches. We're gonna strip the leaves. The animals are gonna scatter. The right. birds are gonna fly away. This is what's going to happen." Yeah, and then and then it says in in verse fifteen. This is really cool. So you skip on down here through verse fifteen. It says, "But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze." Remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. So he he says, "Look, we're going to cut you down, but we're going to leave the stump, mm-hmm. which apparently is a huge significance in the in the dream." Right. Um, I don't know. I I just had this thought this morning when I was reading it again. The whole bronze and iron does that tie into the statue, like that the could. the dream he had in, in chapter? I don't know. I think iron and bronze; those were kingdoms. You know, and we trace those to the specific kingdoms. Iron would have been Rome and bronze. I think Medo-Persia, if I'm remembering that right. But um, I think I think it was just the like to me in judgment, it would be just wipe the tree out. That's what happens to most people. They just they're just humbled. But Nebuchadnezzar was preserved. He wasn't just humbled. He was given the gift of humility, which means he can have his life back with the proper perspective. You know what I mean? He was given a gift to to still get all of his wealth back and his power and and know where it comes from and be thankful for it and receive it as a gift. And so the significant thing is that stump was preserved because this proud man is not just going to be judged like the next chapter with the handwriting on the wall, Belshazzar. He's done. That night, he's just... He's just killed. He's just, you know, destroyed. And and in judgment, most people will be humble, but only a few are given the gift of humility, which means I'm going to give you your life back and with a whole new perspective that God is a source and there's a joyful reception of it as a gift. You know what I mean? That's the gift of humility. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And so the second part of the dream was that. Right. Then it then it it tells Nebuchadnezzar what's going to happen to him. Right. It, it says, "Hey, uh you're going to be drenched in dew. And it, it right. paints this picture of Nebuchadnezzar becoming a wild animal. Right. You're going to be drenched in dew. You're going to be alienated from your people. You're going to be living with the animals among the plants. Uh, you're going to be given the mind of an animal. Right? And and this is going to go on for seven years, which is just incredible. That that would scare me. I, I mean, let's just be honest. If you had that dream, that, that would be incredible. Right? Yeah. And then at the very end in verse 17, it kind of gives us the purpose. I mean, God is never never one that necessarily shies away from it. And here's what he says in verse 17. He said, The decision is announced to the messengers uh, by the holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know, that's Nebuchadnezzar, that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. So that's how his dream ends. It's, hey, here's the reason I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I want you to understand you might be king, 
but I am king of kings. Right. I am God. I am the one who gives and takes away. I am the one who blesses. Right. You know, uh, because this all started with with you know Nebuchadnezzar. You're going to see how it how it starts. He he makes this mistake about a year after this dream that just shows his arrogance and his pride. Um, and I got a feeling if I had this kind of dream, I would be so careful and selective yeah. with my words. Right. He's he's disturbed by the dream. He's terrified because it obviously he's got a deep sense that it has to do with his demise. Right. So he's he's frightened by the dream. And then he calls Daniel in and Daniel's spirit filled and interprets it and has led him has kind of been his pastor, the one who comes in and his his human agent of God's word and God's spirit. And Daniel pleads with him in verse 27 to, to humble himself. It's yeah. like, you don't have to go through this. And, and, and the sermon can be enough. And we don't know. It doesn't say how Nebuchadnezzar responds to Daniel, but he probably said something like, good sermon, pastor. You right. know? <laughs> well, it's, it's always yeah. interesting because it brings up that whole conversation of, can you change God's mind? Like right. that, that, whole, that whole weird kind right. of thing. Of, and but Daniel also, like, it, yeah. it, can you avoid the... A hard experience with all the scars, the irreversible scars, the waste, the pain, not just for you, but for your loved ones, when the sermon wasn't enough, when God's word and, and his warning isn't enough, and you have to, so I, I think his thing a year later was just that he kept being proud, you know, he he didn't stop, he didn't, and so a year, and, and sometimes we mistake God's patience that we think he's approving of our sin, <laughs> you know, he he's not, he's giving us time to repent, so he gave Nebuchadnezzar another year and Nebuchadnezzar stayed all, you know, praise me, look at me, look at me. And the signs of pride are there, you know, I, me, my, look at me, 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 instead of you and God and we, you know, instead of team and, and, and others and God, it was me, look at me. He was like, I, I am, um, I, I am due all of this. The, the, there is a, the, the signs of pride are clear in his, in his, um, I've worked harder than anyone else. Um, he's basically looking at his life saying, I did it and I'm due. I deserve it. I did everything in my life and I deserve all that I, I get. And that, that's just something God hates. And it's just not true. So, yeah. Yeah. So he has, he has this dream and then he brings in all the sorts. Of, and I, there's some there's interesting things in here that I thought was interesting is that he he says, this is the dream in verse 18. He says, I bring, he brought in all the wise men and none of them can interpret to me. It says, then he brought Daniel. Right now. Which I think is an interesting right, thing because it yeah. was like, I'm going to give all these other guys a chance. Right. But when I know that they weren't going to be able to do it, I'm going to call for Daniel. Like, like That's Daniel, a good take. I like that take. I just thought it was interesting. I wonder why he doesn't just call Daniel. Yeah, like but, why, why not just cut out the, cut out yeah. the middleman and be yeah. like, hey, Daniel, can you come? Especially after chapter two when Daniel was clearly the one who knew. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. And so then we get down in here, and it's interesting. So he tells the dream to Daniel. And, and in verse 19, it says, Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. And I, and I love this because it shows the relationship between Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. So the king said, he said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Yeah. And I love that. Okay, this is the king of the known world. Right. And he's looking at Daniel. He goes, Daniel, I have so much trust in you. Right. He goes... Don't worry, which was a constant fear of all these guys, because sure. if you told the king something he didn't like, the king didn't have to like it. You mean, Especially he could you're going to be insane. You're going to be an animal. You're gonna right. Be, yeah. Like, yeah, this yeah. whole interpretation of this dream is nuts. Oh. And, and yeah. so he he goes, hey, Daniel, it's OK. 
He goes, I and maybe maybe he's picked up yeah. maybe he's picked up on this from the the other dream in Daniel too. He goes, I know this is not good. Yeah. So it's okay. Tell me what exactly. it was. And so Daniel begins to Which lay. Which is the truth. He's really he wants the truth, and he knows the truth yeah. is painful. Yeah. But I'm not sure he can handle the truth. That, I, okay, well, I will go. <laughs> you. That's what Daniel says. <laughs> you, you can't, can't handle, handle the truth. <laughs> yeah. We should have a movie reference clicker. Exactly. Like yeah. Um, so Daniel lays it out. He goes, "Listen, the tree. That's you. That's your kingdom." He goes, "Man, that's it." Um, he said, "Here's what's going to happen." And basically, we've kind of laid it out already. He goes, "Listen, you're going to be you're going to be cut off." You're going to be removed from your people for, for a period of seven years. You're going to be wild out in the, the wilderness. Your hair is going to grow as long as an animal. Your fingernails are going to look like bird's claws. You're, you're going to have the mind. You're basically going to be pretty much insane. Which for a lot of people, a lot of men, especially toenails, are that way. Oh, absolutely. It's, <laughs> it's, it's horrible. My, my yeah. son, it's, it just tears through his socks. It's, it's awful. <laughs> we digress. Uh, so he, he lays this out and, and tells Nebuchadnezzar, look, this is it. And then I love what you said. Daniel goes, but it doesn't have to be that way. Right. God's yeah. giving you time. Right. To, to And don't mistake that patience that for his approval of your sin. When I think yeah. about what the Bible says, it's not that the Lord is slow to right. act. It's that he is waiting for. Yeah, he's long-suffering, yeah, he's long-suffering, letting yeah. all to come to repentance, which I think is amazing. Right. And so you continue through this story. So, so Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Daniel interprets the dream for him. He's, he's bothered by it, all that kind of stuff. You get down to verse 28. It says 12 months later. So like if it was a TV right. show, it'd be like dut, 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 dut. Right. 12 months later. 12 months have passed. <laughs> Listen to this. 12, 12 months later. This is fascinating. He, here's, here's what happens. It says, all this happened to Nebuchadnezzar. 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, now remember He's being cut off because of his pride, so that he'll know that God is God and, and, and gives and takes away. Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? How arrogant. Yeah. Understandably, because he did build it. Right. But how arrogant is this you know, man... And again, that's that's a shot. I have to remind myself that I can be just as arrogant yeah. in, in various things. And and then verse thirty one says, even as the words were on his lips, a voice came down from heaven. And so it was twelve months later. He goes, look at what all I've built. He's, I just picture him standing on the top of his palace, right. looking out over this city, and just going, "Look at this. Yeah. I am the man. I built this." I did this. It was my might. It was my leadership. It was my structure. I did this. And then he gets that holy tap on the shoulder. Um, yeah. Listen. Here's what's going to happen. And so in that moment, his kingdom is stripped away from him. His, his family is stripped away. All of these things. He is basically alienated from his people. He is kind of taken out. And all of this is rooted in pride so for us the lesson to take away from this is always check your pride it's again proverbs 6 it's one of the seven things that god hates right. haughty eyes prideful eyes and right. that's exactly what nebuchadnezzar dealt with um and so for seven years he is like a wild animal out in the wilderness which wasn't something god arbitrarily did to him it's what pride does to all of us it dehumanizes us Pride makes us like an animal, 
um, takes away our compassion because we don't care about other people, just ourselves. So we don't have sensitivity and compassion for others. It takes away our joy because if we get something, we say, well, I deserve it. It's about time, you know, or if we don't get something, we're like, oh, woe is me. I'm not getting what I deserve. And pride, pride takes away our joy, takes away our compassion. So many things. It isolates us because it's just your life's like this little one bedroom apartment versus this mansion of God and other people and the great adventure. It's this little wrapped up package in yourself. And so it's, it's not just arbitrary. Pride makes us all like there's a Nebuchadnezzar in all of us and there's a beast in the field. We, we are not in our right mind. We are not accomplishing or experiencing all that God has for us when we're stuck on ourselves. Uh, pride is all you got. All your time, energy is spent on you. You have nothing left for others and for God. And so that's a very small package. Or you might say it's just not human. It's not the human potential. Um, so, yeah. I love that. There's a Nebuchadnezzar in all of us. Right, right. And I love the idea of just, just pointing out that he was the physical embodiment of all the things that pride can cause right. in us. You know, alienation, right. you know, animalistic tendencies where you're just right. ravaged for something and you just cling to it without regard right. for any other person or being or, or whatever. You know, And also how quickly God can take everything away. He's saying in pride... Pride says, I did it myself. God says, no. Humility says, I gave you everything. Well, I worked really hard. With what? With the brain that I gave you, with the talent I gave, the opportunities, the people around you, the early childhood experiences that are so formative, all that stuff. You didn't choose your race. You didn't choose your birthplace. You didn't choose the time in history when you came in. You know, we could have been born in the 14th century during the bubonic plague. We didn't choose to come and be born in the U.S., you know, and have the opportunities that that we have. And and so God, just in that moment, he stepped on his I like to think he stepped on his mental air hose, you know, and 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 just said, well, I give you even your brilliant mind. So I'll take that away. Check. You know, I'll take this. I'll take this. Now, where are you? Nebuchadnezzar? All the things you have are gift. And so a humble person, instead of, you know saying I deserve it and I did it for myself, a humble person is just surprised at all the goodness of God. They're like, well, look at that. I can't believe God did this. Oh my gosh, he provided that. I don't deserve any of this and I'm not doing it. God is obviously giving it and I'm not taking it for granted. All the things I have come from God. Nebuchadnezzar didn't realize that. So God has to take him through this very painful experience where he takes it all away and then he's going to give it back. It's like, oh, I wonder how long, I wonder how bad Nebuchadnezzar was. I wonder how proud he was. Seven years. Yeah. Till it sunk in. <laughs> and that's me. That's you. Especially you. Hey, easy, easy, <laughs> easy. All right. No, yeah, no. We got it bad. We can't. A sermon's not enough. More than, you know, more not than. only that, not even a day or a year is enough. Nebuchadnezzar. But for, I mean, he was a hugely accomplished guy and he had pride pretty, pretty serious. And so God had to. God had to put him in the field for seven years before he would finally look up on that day, drenched with the dew of heaven, and look up and realize, oh, I got all this from, from God. And now, now God says, I'll give it all back to you in humility, and you'll receive it joyfully, and you'll be thankful, and you'll know that it's me, and you won't be stuck on yourself anymore. That's a huge gift. God, if God could give it to Nebuchadnezzar, he could give it to you, he could give it to me, he can give it to anybody. Um, and he does it. Every time somebody becomes a Christian, they go through the same process. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. We, we, we've stumbled upon a whole sermon series, by the way, simply entitled, When the Sermon Isn't Enough, yeah, where that's we right. look through all of these yeah. kind of stories in the Bible, which right. would be incredible. Right. Um, but that's a, we, can, we can go talk about that later. 
but yeah, no, it's awesome. I, I love the idea of this whole thing of pride. It's, you know, so often we, we say it's because of us. Right. And, you know, the, the person who has understood their role is it kind of becomes instead of because of us, it's in spite of us. Exactly. This is what God has done. I'm doing better than most people because I'm smart, because I work hard and because I'm moral, you know, like I'm really moral. That is pride. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? And plus, I, the other thing is, have you ever noticed, Scott, generous people that have a lot of money or whatever, the, the gift of giving? One of the things that irritates them the most is when people expect those gifts, you yes. know, and they're not appreciative and they're not like surprised and going, oh, thank you. No, they start to go, hey, you know, you didn't give it to me again. You haven't been giving me much. And they start to expect Generous people hate that. How much more would God hate it? He gives all good things. When we expect to think we deserve it and we're like, it's about time. I've been such a good person for five years and you haven't, you know, God just looks down at things. Really? How did you get the idea that you, that this isn't pure grace? Do you really think it's because you're smarter, work harder, and are more moral than other people that you're doing so well in your life? And, and keep in mind, being moral is not a bad thing. Working hard is not a bad. We right. should we should all do those things. But when right. you put your when you put your onus, what your right. life has accomplished in those things instead of in the right. basket of God instead of grace, yeah, and yeah. then you're like, look, this is what God's allowing me to do, man. Right. It's 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 I work hard so I can get these things. No, you, I, I work hard because of what God's done for me, and it, it it's a subtle difference. It's a response of, of working hard, it's, it's not a, a deserving thing. not a deserving. Yeah. I work hard. I should play. There's a lot of people that work really really hard in this world, but never seem to get ahead. It, right. It's and. That's exactly and right. There's better people. Yeah. Better people than smarter and more moral people than me yeah. are are not doing as well, you know. Yeah. And, and so, so people ask, my dad used to always say this. He asked me, how you doing? How you doing? He said, better than a sinner like me deserves. <laughs> that was his answer all the time. And it was funny, but it was also true. He believed that. If you ask him, how you doing? whole lot better than a sinner like me deserves. And he yeah. knew it. He knew it. Yeah. yeah, it can be very cliche, but I mean, right. at the same time, it's it's so true. It's true. Look, you know, to be blessed and we and we can go through we can all count our blessings and, and things like that. But but Nebuchadnezzar is is learning this like by literally firsthand, I guess we could, right. we could say. So this is what happens. So he gets basically just thrown out of the kingdom. The kingdom gets divided up and all, all this kind of stuff. And then I love this because you hit on it a little earlier, and I, I want to make sure I hit this. Look at this. It says, at the end of that time, seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, hmm. and my sanity was restored. Hmm. So this is Nebuchadnezzar writing. He goes, look, after that seven years, it took seven years to break me. Seven years in the wilderness. Listen, if I had to use a bathroom outside for like a week, I'd be I'd be good. I yeah. think I, I think I, I don't want God to test me, so I'm going to be very careful. But I, he says, I I raised my eyes toward heaven, and that phrase, man, that's just like a that's a song phrase. We we sing it, and I mean, I raised my eyes towards heaven, and that's all it took. Yeah, it wasn't a big long. I have to apologize to God, or I have to. I have to, you know, make things right or I have to do No, it was I finally raised my eyes towards heaven. Yeah. That's powerful. Uh, so many smart, capable people. Don't be intimidated by folks who who shake their fist to God and are so intimidating cuz Nebuchadnezzar couldn't have been any more intimidated. Look how God is able to humble. We can't humble people who are atheists, who are mocking God and they're very smart and accomplished and talented, but God can and he will. And and so 
there comes that time where somebody finally looks to heaven, no matter how gifted or proud or smart or opposed to God they are, they are changed. God can change. He can convert the the most unlikely person. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Many many of us have those stories we in our life. Many many of you that we are going to watching or listening to this podcast, you got. We'd love to hear those stories because right. those those stories energize other believers. They do, um, and, and there are many. And, there are millions of those stories. And, and yeah, people yeah. who who everybody would have counted off as lost. Right. You know, they probably wrote Nebuchadnezzar off at this point. And it says, I lift my eyes to the heavens. Yeah. And then he begins to 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 be restored. He says, then I praised him. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. And all of a sudden he goes at the same time. Go down to verse 36. At the same time, my sanity was restored. My honor and splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. Right. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to the throne. Right. And became even greater than before. And then you go down here. The very last line of Daniel chapter four is amazing. OK. Absolutely amazing. This is Nebuchadnezzar writing this. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. That's how chapter four ends. Hmm. Nebuchadnezzar has has grasped this lesson that those who walk in pride. Listen, we're all going to have prideful moments. Yeah, that's not what this is talking about. He's talking about my whole life right. was prideful. Right. Everything about me was full of arrogance and whatever. He goes, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. I mean, that that's yeah. a that's a sermon line if yeah. you've ever heard one. And then I go to the verse: "Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God." <laughs> <laughs> what it what you know because that's that's the um first peter five five and six god is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you at the proper time if you choose to humble yourself then you don't you don't have to have god <laughs> you can avoid the the little detour to the field for seven years yeah. you know because that represents so much pain waste irreversible scars let the sermon be enough, whether that's a family member sharing with you, your own conscience, maybe even a dream, some way God is coming to you, making something clear in your life. Do it. Experience is a, is a very con a convincing teacher, but it's not the best teacher. The best teacher is just God's word and millions of people get it right there and don't have to be, you know, humbled in such a painful way. But if you do, God can still do it. And, and it's a wonderful thing, but it'd be better if you just humbled yourself. Said, you know what? I'm sick of this little one bedroom apartment stuck on me. I'm going to think about others and God and the great adventure of his kingdom. And I'm going to free up all my time and my energy for, for things so much broader and more interesting than myself. Uh, you know, God, Oh, I just choose to focus on you and other people in your kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I love it. The end result is God will humble you. Right. We have a little bit of say in how that plays out right. in, in our lives. We can do it ourselves. We can take the steps to make sure we are humble before God. So uh, as we wrap this up, let me just challenge you guys. Always make sure we're checking ourselves. I mean, for me, for Dean, for you, for whoever's watching, listening, check yourself. Are you, are you having prideful moments? And are they happening more and more? Because if they are, that's leading to a, a, a issue that God is going to, at, at some point, address in your life if, if you're trying to walk with him. Um, and he has the ability to humble you. And, and I can tell you right now, in all the different moments of my life, 
I want to humble myself mm. instead of the embarrassment, the pain, the heartache of God humbling me. Right. Um, and so Nebuchadnezzar grasped this lesson, but it took seven years. Yeah. Um, and even more than that, the seven years was just kind of the punishment for it. And mm. so that that's kind of where we wrap up with this. And, and Daniel lays it out for him and tells him this whole story and Nebuchadnezzar goes through it and then he comes back and we see really the the regeneration and the restoration of Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. It's a wonderful story. And it happens every time that someone becomes a Christian, you know, pride gets in the way. It's like, I'm not a sinner. I'm not as bad as so many other people. There's really a hell. I don't think so. Who says that? You know, and and then I'm not going to receive a gift that obligates me to serve someone and and you know, the gospel, people miss heaven and go to hell because of their pride and or they're humbled and they accept the the bible and the message of salvation for which jesus died and the one who made us and preserved his word throughout history that humble yourself and receive that good news that yes you are a sinner you did need christ to die for you you receive that gift of forgiveness you'll go to heaven when you die that's a humbling thing to experience but if you can humble yourself it's such good news. You receive so much grace and blessing. So then it just starts a life of grace, a life of humility. And, and maybe God will give you that gift, not just humbling you through judgment, but actually giving you the gift of humility, a thankful, joyful, surprised life by the goodness of God that we do not deserve. That's, that's humility. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really the most humble person I know. I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, no, I'm just totally Don't pray messing. for okay. me. This is the thing hey, that I'm dealing with. Here we are. We we've wrapped up Daniel chapter four. <laughs> uh, this was great. Hopefully, you uh, gathered something from it, or you were challenged, or maybe God spoke to you in an amazing way. We'd love to hear it. Our email addresses are going to be here on the screen. Uh, shoot us an email. Let us know. But for that, we will we'll see you next week. Uh, continue to go out and be the message. Have a great week, everybody. Have a good week. Yes, you are.